Uh, through the uh, season of Lent, we have been talking through um, the Sermon on the Mount, beginning with the Beatitudes um, last week, uh, talking through uh, what does it mean for us to be people who do not judge. Um, and today we are skipping forward uh, all the way almost to the end of the book of Matthew. We went from Matthew chapter 7 last week, and today we're going to be, uh, as, or as we just read earlier, in Matthew chapter 21. Um, of course, because today is Palm Sunday. Uh, but we're still in the season of Lent. So um, Evelyn thought that after Palm Sunday, that we didn't have to keep our fast anymore, that it was over on Palm Sunday. And she was uh, very disappointed when I told her that, no, it extends one more week. Uh, because we are, though we're celebrating today, we are still in the season of Lent. And that actually is an interesting um, contradiction sort of that happens all throughout uh, the life of Jesus uh, and through our faith. Um, we recognize like what we were talking about earlier, where there are difficult circumstances, that there still is hope, right? Um, we recognize that in Jesus's arrival into Jerusalem, that uh, while that was a joyous celebration, which we're going to talk about today, where we wave palm branches. And uh, I do have to apologize for the artificial branches. Um, the last couple of years, I guess because of the Texas weather, the place where we normally get palm branches from hasn't had any. Uh, and so I ordered artificial ones ahead of time so that we would have something. Um, but uh, maybe hopefully next year we will be able to get some real palm branches and not the fake ones. Although the ones that we ordered are uh, sustainably made PVC, whatever that's worth, right? Um, so, uh, but waving palm branches, but knowing also that uh, what transpires a few days after Jesus's entry into Jerusalem um, is a difficult circumstance to say the least. And as we've been journeying through Lent to discover not only the brokenness of the world, but also the brokenness in our lives, we come to this idea of earning versus effort. And what we have been talking about is that the kingdom of brokenness is one in which we think that we have to earn everything or we have to try and, 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 and prove our worth. But in the kingdom of heaven, there is no such thing as earning. There's no currency in the kingdom of heaven. We just simply receive the blessing of God's presence. Now, that doesn't mean that we just sit idly by or que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. We intentionally do the things. We put forth the effort. So we spend time in prayer and scripture reading and gathering together as a community and service. All of those things that Jesus instructed us to do, we put forth the effort, but the effort is not in order for us to earn our keep. The effort is so that God can bless us and form and shape deeply in us the way of the kingdom of heaven, captivate our attention, set us on a path towards grace and peace. Uh, today is 
a celebratory day. Palm Sunday is one of celebration. And I wanted to show you uh, just a kind of a collection of different artistic depictions uh, for Palm Sunday. Um, These range from some of them, uh, I think this one is several hundred years old, um, and some of them that we'll show you are contemporary. But you can see uh, the artist's depiction here of um, Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Uh, My favorite are the guys up here in the trees. They're pulling down palm branches in order to welcome Jesus. I think that's such a really cool, uh, uh, almost just a desperation. They're going to climb up in this tree and pull down this palm branch so we can have something to welcome the king with. This one here is a little strange, but this is actually my favorite one, Uh, kind of an impressionist uh, one. If you can make it out there, you can see Jesus on the donkey um, on your left, my right. Uh, there, but I love that depiction. This one also is another uh, interesting one, kind of more of an abstract um, piece, but again, you can see Jesus riding in and people gathering on the road to welcome him with palm branches. And here's another one. I also really like this one. I think it's the colors of this one. But uh, this one actually has something unique to it. There's a lot of uh, soldiers that are placed um, throughout the way. And here, I'm going to do this just because I can. Watch this. We're going to pull this up here, and I'm going to channel my inner Troy Aikman. Look at this here. Hang on. Hang on. Did I do it? I did it. Look at that. Here, I'm going to do it in a different color, maybe. Let's see. There. Now you can see it better. How about that? But, oh, no, I messed it up. I colored the, I covered up what I was trying to show you. This Roman soldier here over here has some dogs with him. Oh man, I'm terrible at that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to disable that feature. Um, so uh, I wanted to show you that. And then this one is a, a tradition coming out of um, Vanuatu in Africa. But they um, have a parade that lasts all day long, in which uh, they walk up and down, back and forth through their town, uh, waving palm branches on Palm Sunday. Um, And so there are a lot of different expressions in order to celebrate Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, but we also need to step back and understand what it was that Jesus was arriving in Jerusalem to do. So imagine with me for a minute that we are located Uh, in a vast empire on the other side of the empire from the capital city. And news begins to spread throughout the city that the king is coming. It's not often that a king would visit a town on the other side of the empire, probably a -a once-in-a-lifetime occasion for many of the people in the town. And so word begins to spread and there's a buzz around the town that the king is coming. And of course, they weren't able to open up Apple Maps and type in the address and have a determined uh, estimated time of arrival, right? It was more of a window of several days, depending on how the travel went. 
Um, so they knew that the king was coming, but they didn't know exactly when it was. But they began planning as if it was today, as if it was uh, of the utmost importance that we were ready. And so uh, the festivities are being planned and the, uh, the, the choice meats are being slaughtered and the, are, they are preparing for a feast. And finally, the day in which they believe the king is going to show up approaches and people begin to wake up a little earlier than usual. They've uh, raked over the streets to make them look as nice as possible. There's more fragrance in the air than usual as people have been preparing herbs in order to welcome the king into their town. And even early in the morning, before the day has really begun, people are stirring and lining the roads in order to greet the king when he arrives. The anticipation is so great that not only have they filled the streets inside the gates, but they've even begun filling the streets on the outside of the gates in order to be among the first to greet the king. Then off in the distance, the sentinel yells, the king is arriving, the king is here. And everyone begins to be elated with joy that they are going to behold their king. All eyes are fixed on the horizon to try and cap the first glimpse of the king and his entourage. I, as I was preparing for this message, all I could, the image that I could think about was um, in the movie Aladdin when uh, Prince Ali shows up, who is the street boy um, who has found the genie and made himself into uh, this great prince. And there's all of these elephants and camels and uh, all of these jewels and people and soldiers following us. What Something like that, maybe not quite the Walt Disney version, but something like that, what they expected, the chariots, the pomp, the circumstance. And instead of all of that, what they see approaching is a man on a donkey with a small band of kind of ragtag, vagabond-ish type people. This is no king. They've seen snake oil salesmen with more pomp and circumstance than this. What is happening? How could we have got things so wrong? But then to your amazement, one of the little girls at the front of the line, as this man comes by on his donkey, takes off her cloak and throws it on the ground and waves her branch saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. You think, what is this girl doing? Does she not know that this is no king? Where is this girl's parents? What an embarrassment for her family. And then another person takes off their cloak 
begins to wave their branches, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, followed by another and another and another, until the crowd is all together singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Why is this ordinary person riding in on a donkey receiving the welcome of a king? This is the setting of which Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And as we talked earlier, Palm Sunday is one of the most celebratory Sundays of the year. We wave our palm branches and we sing Hosanna. In many ways, it feels sort of like the before party for, to pump us up for the Easter celebration the following week. And while the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem is definitely cause for celebration, and while the shouts of Hosanna in hindsight motivate us and, and fill us and ring out of us, we need to take a moment to pause and understand the reality of what we are celebrating and recognizing today. You see, the world that Jesus was born into is one plagued by division, occupation, and war. Not all too unfamiliar to the world that we exist in today, right? And Jesus was born into a Jewish family living under Roman occupation, meaning that their traditions, their customs, the things that they valued were not the values of the people who had the authority and power and control over them. And so there was always this tension that existed. The common sentiment amongst the Jewish people uh, and families like Jesus's was that similar to those who of their ancestors who were caught in slavery or in exile in Babylon, they were looking forward to a day where God would rescue them from their occupiers. And the ex there was an excitement surrounding Jesus that perhaps he would be this great liberating king, that he would be the one not to bring in a new religion, but to re lead a revolution to free the Jewish people from their captors and allow them to rule the land, much like had happened to their ancestors. But of course, we know that Jesus had more important things to free people from, like the grip of sin, like the grip of brokenness, like jealousy and judgment and frustration. Not to rule in the best way of the kingdoms of the world, but to rule an alternative kingdom in which the first were last, the peaceful were the powerful, and the hungry were full. But this, of course, is not possible in the kingdoms of the world because they are led by a mentality of scarcity. This lie of scarcity has been present since the beginning 
of time, and it creates animosity towards neighbor. It creates judgment towards others, vengeance towards enemies, and a power over type authority where we're going to force you into what we want you to do. So when Jesus enters the streets of Jerusalem and the people are shouting, Hosanna, they are pleading for a rescue. And if we aren't careful today, we can gloss over all of that reality and we try to rush through to the praise and the celebration of Palm Sunday. But if we aren't careful We can also do this in our own lives where we gloss over our own realities of suffering and pain and brokenness and our need of a Savior. We can gloss over the deep-hearted cries of Hosanna, a humble and a desperate cry for a Savior that we still very much need, not just in our world today, but in our own lives. We look to Jesus to rescue us, to offer us a better way. We turn on the news today. Uh, we uh, glance at all of the social medias and we have a front row seat to the grip that brokenness has on our world. But truthfully, we don't need to look that far. Because if we are honest with ourselves, we see the ways in which brokenness has a grip on us, how we have failed to love God with our whole heart. We have failed to love our neighbors as ourselves. We see the brokenness in both what we have done and what we have left undone. This morning, I I told you a couple of weeks ago about a, a situation where uh, almost immediately after our Sunday morning gathering, I was um, in a parking lot and had a, a altercations too strong of a word because we were just passing by. But a, a, a person got frustrated by something that I did and uh, was visibly frustrated. And then my response was to respond to that person in frustration, right? And we, we kind of t- joked about that. And if you respond to frustration with frustration, what are the results of that interaction going to be? More frustration, right? Uh, So this morning, I was uh, at the donut shop, and uh, I was backing out of my spot, and this lady was driving in, and I'm not sure what she anticipated me doing. I didn't even see her until I was almost fully backed out because she wasn't there when I started backing out. But evidently, I should have seen her because she was visibly upset by the fact that I was in the process of bagging out while she was in the process of trying to come in. And so I noticed her when I was about to pull forward and we were in a predicament because if I would have pulled forward, then she would have had to kind of work her way around. And it was just this awkward thing of trying to figure out what's the best thing to do. And so Instead of pulling forward, I just kept going backwards and kind of swung all the way around and then tried to turn this way so that she could come around me in the right way. And that just 
ang- angered her further. And I was kind of at a loss then as far as what I could possibly do to get out of this uh, person's way. And so I stopped and she was shaking her fist at me and saying, who knows what, her window was rolled up um, and mine was rolled up, so I wasn't uh, able to hear what she was saying. Uh, But I just sort of waved at her and gave her like a, I'm, you know, sorry kind of look. And uh, she didn't receive that uh, very well. I guess she thought that I was mocking her or something, but she received more anger. And I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, I really can't win when I'm in the vehicle, right? And maybe there's just truth to that. Maybe if you're in a vehicle, you're just going to be frustrated when someone gets in your way. But as I was kind of processing through that this morning, the opportunity there existed for grace to be the result of that situation because I did not, thankfully, get frustrated at her and respond to frustration with her. And so what I hope happened is that at some point after that interaction, she sort of realized that, oh, maybe I overreacted a little bit, or maybe I just need to shake that off and move on because that person uh, made a mistake. And instead of being frustrated, uh, I'm going to respond to grace. That's what happens when we live according to the way of Jesus. But we have to recognize that we cannot be perfect at it, right? That there are going to be moments where you're scrolling along on the computer and you're on the wrong song, right? And holding everybody up in the process. There are going to be moments where uh, you respond in frustration instead of opening up the opportunity for beauty. But in all of that, Jesus is present with us, beckoning us along to receive the rescue that he has already offered to us. In Philippians chapter 2, this is what we read. Talking about Jesus, uh, it says, Who being in very nature God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made human in likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, what we realize when we shout Hosanna, pleading for rescue of Jesus, we're not welcoming him to a throne but to a cross. Jesus arrived in Jerusalem as a king, but it wasn't to go and to sit on a throne. It was to be nailed to the cross. 
Jesus doesn't rule from the throne down, but from the cross and under. And what's beautiful about that scripture and Jesus's obedience to humility and humbling himself and even to the point of dying on the cross is that we get to live in the blessing of that. But what is challenging is that just before that, Paul says to us, you and your relationships with others must have the same mindset as Christ. So what we are being called to is to exist in this same way of humble, gentle, peaceful, offering ourselves type obedience as did Jesus. That's certainly not an easy task. And it's one actually that's very uncomfortable to talk about because in our culture today, we talk a lot about the way in which we have to stick up for ourselves and stand up for ourselves. And at some point, there has to be a confrontation with the narrative of brokenness and the way of Jesus. And while we should certainly never subject ourselves to the abuse of another, we do need to consider how we are interacting with others and what our assumptions are about what they're frustrated by and how they are going about life. And so we must consider in every interaction, no matter how volatile, no matter how frustrating, no matter how agitating, no matter how difficult, in light of Jesus and who he is, we must consider how might we have the same mindset of Christ in this interaction. And what that does is opens up the possibility for grace and peace to ensue from that interaction. When we meet brokenness with brokenness, there's no chance for anything but brokenness. But by the work of the Holy Spirit within us, when we meet frustration with beauty, when we meet judgment with grace, when we meet hostility with peace, the opportunity is there for beauty 
to win out. That is what we celebrate today as we welcome Jesus as King, that beauty reigns in our lives by the power of the work and the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, we are grateful today for the opportunity to welcome you with our palm branches and with our hosannas. All the while knowing what transpired after the branches were laid down. All the while knowing where this entry into Jerusalem led you. But while we didn't know what was going to transpire, while the people didn't know what was going to occur after your entry, you knew. And you went to Jerusalem knowing that you were coming as a sacrificial lamb. And you did it so that all of those who follow your ways might be able to inherit the blessing of your life. And so, Jesus, today we thank you for that. And we ask that any amount of brokenness within us would be replaced by your good and perfect love. We ask these things today, Jesus, in your name and for your sake. Amen.